Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast where we take a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. Vaship Gordon Pete joining you as always off the heels of another wild Minnesota Vikings game. Thursday night football, uh, they close out 36-28 to 28 winners over the Steelers in a match that was crucial for both sides playoff hopes. We'll recap that, um, look at a bit of news, we'll look ahead uh, to the remaining games um, on the week 14 slate we are now, so... Just uh, four to go after this week. Um, we've got some playoff clinching scenarios finally to take you through. Um, and then we're going to talk about some assistant coaches who we think might be candidates for head coaches uh, in the upcoming offseason. First things first, though, to Thursday Night Football. I mentioned the Vikings 36 to 28 over the Steelers, Gordo. Um, talk about a tale of two halves 23 to nothing at the break. And then uh, Minnesota extended that lead to 29 to nothing. Um, and, you know, the storylines we had prepared for, prepared for were, well, Ben certainly is gone. Could Mike Tomlin be in trouble? The defense, which has so often been the strength of this team over the past really 50 years, um, looked tired and vulnerable and weak. However, I mean, three straight touchdown drives and then another one late, and they're in a position to win, well, to tie the game, excuse me, um, on that final play. Can't quite get it done, but um, tricky to to know what to think about both teams um, after a game like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, I think, the most typical Vikings game we've seen all year. Um, I think last week was the first time all year they didn't have a lead of seven points, but obviously they had the seven-point lead this week, and it ends up as a one-score game as well, which we've seen, I think, every week bar one as well. So just typical Viking stuff. There was some horrible turnovers in there. Play calling on both sides was questionable at times. It was, I don't know, it, it was a terrible game, but it was so entertaining. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you talk about that interception. It's that last one to um, Witherspoon. Uh, I think the, the margin at that point is 16 points, third and fourth, the Pittsburgh 39. They're right on that field goal range, making it into a three-possession score. Uh, Cousins picked on third and four. Uh, the Steelers a short field, two plays, a touchdown for a move. Um, and then what well, the Vikings have to punt. And then that last play from the Steelers, Gordon, we'll go with that. Um, a few uh, kind of points of discussion. One, it should have been a pick. I mean, into the corner of the end zone. Two, uh, two Vikings defensive, uh, two Vikings defensive backs um, uh, essentially spoiled each other. We would say in the AFL, um, one of them should have picked it up, but they were both going for it. There was no communication there. It falls incomplete. Then you have Chase Claypool catching a fourth down, a two, uh, fourth down, and there was one for the first down. And then you know, with under a minute to go on the clock and no timeouts thinks it's appropriate to take five seconds to do his little first down celebration um, leads to an argument with the offensive lineman. And they took takes another six or seven minutes to get the ball back. Uh, and then finally, Jontae Johnson catching it and then uh, avoiding a tackle from Pat Peterson and running out of bounds, giving them one last final play. Ultimately um, tight end prep for him isn't able to complete the catch, but um, certainly you mentioned entertaining game, a really entertaining final drive there uh, for Pittsburgh looking to tie it up. Yeah, no, again, had everything uh, that Claypool play, I think, is what everyone's going to point to. I mean, obviously, uh, the last play, you could point to the drop touchdown, but they've probably got room for another one or even two throws into the end zone if Claypool doesn't take the time to celebrate and then the ball gets knocked out of his hands as well. I'm not sure who, whether it was his own lineman or whatever, trying to get it back, but that lost them, what, five or ten seconds at least off the play clock. So they should have had probably one or two more shots at least into the end zone, and the drop at the end wouldn't have mattered as much. 
Yeah, indeed. Six and seven, the Vikings with the win. Philadelphia, six and seven. So they're both one uh, half a game, excuse me, outside San Francisco and the football team yet to play. That's the good thing about the buys finishing up this week. Um, there's no confusion thinking about who's a half game back. We just know where each team is. They've all played the same amount of games. Uh, they have the tiebreaker over the Eagles at the moment. Uh, watch that space. It gets a bit confusing depending on how many teams uh, locked up the rest of the season for Minnesota. Two matchups. It was just Chicago. You think they have to sweep them. Then the Rams at home and at Green Bay. Um, you don't think they'd sweep Green Bay, especially not at Lambeau. Uh, and that LA game will be tough. So I think they're still on the outside looking in, Gordo, playoffs-wise. Um, <laughs> and it's very hard to trust a team like this. We, we were ready to give them so much um, you know, credit. You talk about Dalvin Cook, over uh, close to, I believe, even over 200 yards rushing. Uh, yeah, 205 on 27 attempts, a couple of touchdowns. Cousins, the late picks, but he looked good early. And um, the defense as well. But just when we're thinking of giving them credit, um, they come out and give us a second-half performance like that. Yeah, I mean, they almost blew a 29-point lead. I don't know if you can give a team any credit after that, even if they do come out with the win. It feels like this is the first game all year that Cousins has played really badly in, so I'm not sure you can even credit him for that. I mean, what, 14 to 31 but he's had one of the highest completion percentages all year. The two picks mm-hmm. as well, I think, came in the game with three on the season. Um, so, yeah, it's probably the worst game he's played all year. Well, the first three quarters were great from the defence, but that last quarter was some of the worst defence I've ever seen. It, it, you got to feel for like, Mike Zimmer, because that's not coaching, is it? No, it's not. It's one of those wins that's going to leave Vikings fans almost feeling like it was a loss. Mm. Um, you're probably going to come out of it feeling really bad, even though you do get the win. You, got, you get closer in the playoffs. It's not a convincing win at all. I think Mike Zimmer needs a nice retirement. He'll be stressed out after all these 10 in a row, Joe Buck was saying close games. They're five and five in them now. I guess what saved them, Gordo, is that long touchdown pass. They're only one um, in the second half uh, to KJ Osborne, 62 yards, uh, a nice play call there by um, Clint Kubiak. Perhaps there was talk of a push-off through Aikman like the non-call. Uh, there can be debates about that. But if they don't score that touchdown, they could be looking at a loss right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you could argue that there was a push-off. I think I'm fine, though, with it not being called. Uh, physical football's, I think, mostly a good game. So, yeah, without that play, obviously, they'd be in major trouble. But they got it. That's what Kirk Cousins has been able to do a few times now. He gets that big play. He gets the ball downfield, even in the game where he's not playing as well. And they managed to get the win because of it. Indeed. Pittsburgh, we talked about that first half. A lot of talk about the defense in particular. The offense obviously shut out uh, for the best part of three quarters. The stats don't look bad, though. I mean, because again, because of these last um, four touch, uh, three touchdown, four touchdown, excuse me, drives. 28 of 40 for 308 and three touchdowns and a pick for Roethlisberger. Harris went for 94 yards. Um, broke the rookie record for rushing um, for the Steelers on 20 carries. I'm talking about Claypool and Washington, McLeod, Jonte Johnson. Again, there are certainly pieces there. That, as it is, they dropped to 6-6-1. Six, six and one. There's a lot of talk about Mike Tomlin never having had a losing season. You look at the run home for Pittsburgh, Tennessee at home, who knows, at Kansas City, Cleveland, at Baltimore, Gordo. Um, I mean, if I had to guess now, I'd say they're just – careering towards an eight, eight and one finish uh, and no better than that. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. Um, They're probably not going to get a losing season. So Tomlin's going to keep that record intact, but yeah, I can see them finishing exactly 500. This is, this is not a playoff team at this point. Yes, they come back. The thing is when they look good, they look really good and they get (laughs) touched about five minutes of game time. 
it's just that they don't do it consistently enough, and that's what's going to hurt them this year. Indeed. Next Thursday night football will be the Chiefs at the Chargers. That'll be a cracker because the Chargers, of course, got the win in Kansas City uh, in Kansas City earlier on in the year. And that'll be important for the Chiefs looking to press home the advantage in the AFC West next Thursday night or Friday morning, uh, in, or my Friday afternoon, excuse me, now in uh, Melbourne uh, from SoFi Stadium in LA. Okay, okay, let's move on to the rest of the slate, Gordon. I know you'll want to hear this. Um, we have playoff clinching scenarios, including for your Packers. Um, we have the Cardinals, the Packers, and Tampa Bay. Um, well, the York Packers actually had chances to win the NFC North quarter. Both of them are null and void because Minnesota won its game, so you might have to wait another week or two before you can officially claim the third straight NFC North title of the Matt Fur era. Uh, Arizona, um, to clinch a playoff berth, two of their scenarios relied on Minnesota losing. That has not occurred, but the easiest way in for them is a win or a tie against the Rams on Monday night football. And finally, uh, oh, excuse me, we have also for your Packers, Gordo, they can get in uh, to the playoffs, not uh, the divisional title, just the playoffs with a win, a New Orleans loss, and a San Francisco loss, uh, or a LA Rams loss. So it needs a few things to go right. As for Tampa Bay, they are in uh, as the champs of the NFC South for the first time since 2007. If they win, the Saints loss, lose, and the Carolina loses, and they get into the playoffs with, um, well, it's a tie. So we're not going to worry about that scenario, Gordo. So, uh, as a Packers fan, you probably would have liked to see Minnesota lose, lose um, with a win. You would have gotten the NFC South t- uh, North title, but I'm sure you can wait another week for that. It seems inevitable at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say inevitable because of pessimism or whatever, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like it's going to happen within a couple of weeks or two. I don't think the other three in the division, I mean, Detroit, obviously, Chicago, they're Chicago, Minnesota can't uh, win a, or can't win a game convincingly. So yeah, you'd have to think it comes soon. Indeed. As for the tips, Gordon and I both off to a 1-0 start uh, in week 14, tipping the Vikings over the Steelers in dramatic fashion. Let's get on to the rest of the game, starting with the Sunday slate. As always, we did some drafting. Starting in the early window, neither of our teams were playing. I had the first overall pick. In fact, the top three picks scored all divisional matchups, and they all feature an 8-4 and four team uh, leading a division, and they all feature uh, a 6-6 six and six team uh, taking on them, who are second uh, or third or fourth in the division. We'll start in the nation's capital, Washington, six and six, got a four game win streak, win on the road against Vegas last week, a tight one. It's the same recipe. It's good defensive play. Tallahaneke doing enough to keep them alive uh, and disciplined football. On the other side, the Cowboys, eight and four. They had a, a tricky little month there. They went one and three. They do get a win thanks to the defense, four picks against uh um, against Taysom Hill and the Saints on Thursday night. So a bit longer of a break for them, Gordo. They're eight and four. A lot of people feel they still can't trust them, at the least trustworthy of the four division leaders at the moment. Mike McCarthy has said he's very confident they will win. You do feel like this is a little test. I know we're still a month out from the playoffs, but they need to assert their dominance in the NFC East, you feel, uh, and get a win on the road in Washington. Yeah, I don't know how smart it was of McCarthy to go out and say something like that. It, it seems like perfect bulletin board material for Washington now. Mm. Uh, the Cowboys got swept by them last year, and now you're saying that you're guaranteeing a win. It, I mean, they're favourites. They probably should win, but it just feels like you're giving them too much ammo to um, really think, okay, we there's even more incentive to win now to make him look wrong. Um, I think Dallas will win. They're probably a better team, or definitely a better team on offense. Defensively, I think they match up pretty well. Um, so assuming they play to the level that they should, 
Dallas wins this pretty easily, I think. But Washington, we've seen the last few weeks, they're playing well. They're doing enough to win. They took it up to Tampa Bay a few weeks ago and beat them. So they're right. They're, they're able to beat the good teams. It's just whether they can keep that consistency going. Yeah, well, I mean, you talk about the sweeping last season. Uh, the second game was on Thanksgiving. National TV audience, 41-16, to 16, Alex Smith defeated. I believe it was the Andy Dalton-led uh, Cowboys at that time. Um, I'm, You don't hear this very often from a Philadelphia supporter, but I hope Dallas wins because I have not been, it's fair to say, um, real high on Taylor Heineke in this Washington team the last couple of weeks. I didn't tip them last week against the Raiders. I'm not as sold as a lot of people are on this team. I don't think they're getting the playoffs. I don't think that if I don't think they're a, they're a playoff team, to be honest. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I think Dallas should, if they play, they play well. Um, we've seen a little bit of inconsistency both sides of the ball. If you see both sides firing like we did earlier in the season, I don't think they have any trouble getting the win here. Um, Tony Pollard, the only real not- notable absence uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, and Elliot is uh, a full participant. So you look for a lot of him running the ball. Um, as for Washington, J.D. McKissick had a concussion. So he is someone uh, to watch. And uh, Leonard Collins, of course, safety with a foot injury. But um, look, it's all going to be on the line uh, in Landover. Uh, should be a good matchup. And I will take the Cowboys, Gordo, 29 to 22. Maybe Washington do just enough um, to make it a one-score game. Your scoreline? Yeah, I think something similar. Um, I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think the two will match up pretty well. Uh, but yeah, Dallas 27 to 20. Indeed. Uh, we move now to Cleveland, another divisional matchup, as I mentioned. Our first three picks, all divisional matchups. Baltimore, eight and four. They lead the North. They blew a chance to have a little bit more of a lead in the division uh, when they couldn't convert that two-point conversion in Pittsburgh last week. They travelled to Cleveland. The two teams faced off just two weeks ago. It was 16-10 on Sunday night football. Lamar Jackson, four picks, Gordon. You'd have to think he won't be repeating those mistakes again. Um, but this is this is a game Baltimore should win. Cleveland have been banged up coming off the bye. You just never know uh, in this divisional matchup uh, who's going to come out on top. Yeah, no, I mean, last game it was... I think an entertaining game. I'm still not sure exactly what I watched that night, but both defenses played out of their minds. Um, And now I think we'll see something similar. Um, The Ravens, they're going to be without Marlon Humphrey, which is really going to hurt them. But then again, I don't trust Cleveland's passing offense at all, even against a really injured secondary. Uh, I mean, a lot will depend on how Baker looks, obviously. Um, He's had the bye. He's been able to get that rest, but... If he's that injured, like what we saw before, like if there is those real issues with his shoulder, I don't think he's going to be able to play well enough to win this game. Uh, I think Baltimore's probably going to win. I, I can't imagine Lamar playing as badly as he has again. Um, so, yeah, Baltimore, I think in a close one, sort of similar to the last game, 21 to 17. I mean, I'm just reading here that uh, this might be outdated, but I've got the Browns here written as a two-and-a-half-point favourite, which I don't know why that's... Uh, the way it is, but no, I'm agreeing with you. I think they do win. Um, I question who Baker Mayfield is going to throw to. David Njoku was placed on the reserve COVID list. Harrison Bryant isn't there. I mean, who? I mean, Jarvis Landry had a knee concern, um, so he was a non-participant in practice. I mean, hopefully he would play Gordon, but otherwise they may have an issue with who he's going to throw to there. Um, Ronnie Harrison Jr. and, and a center JC Treader also limited in practice. Um, Baltimore aren't completely healthy as well. I mean, Calais Campbell had an injury, as did Nick Boyle uh, and a couple of uh, offensive players. Um, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be low scoring. We talked about 10 to 16 last time they were playing. Um, 
I think maybe 20 to 16. I like the Ravens, Gordo. They're generally good at winning these close, tight divisional matchups. We didn't see that on the road in Pittsburgh last week. I don't think they dropped two in a row. Gordo and I both liking the Ravens to win there on the road. The final of our divisional matchups um, selected one, two, and three. There's actually a lot of divisional matchups this week, but we're going to go to Kansas City, Las Vegas on the road. Another two teams who played each other not long ago. That was the 41 to 14 win for KC in Vegas. We thought that was probably the best performance we've seen, uh, most complete performance from both sides of the ball this season uh, from the reigning AFC champs. Since then, they've kept winning. They won against Denver last week, um, keeping that AFC East dominance over the Mahomes and Andy Reid eras. Last time Las Vegas were in, Kansas City got Odachi. One, um, it was 40 to 32. And that was on the end of only two losses that the Chiefs had last year in the regular season. The other one was when they rested starters in week 17. Um, the question here is, got a Derek Carr. It's as simple as this for the Raiders this year. 300 yards, if he goes over it, they win. If he goes under it, they lose. Uh, and this KC defense rejuvenated since week eight. They are second in points allowed per game with 11.2. Uh, they are first in third down percentage, 25.8, and they are second in red zone touchdown percentage, 36.4, giving up. They had five straight games, living up, giving up less than 18. Do you see them continuing on this good streak um, against Derek Carr and the Chiefs? Uh, and the Raiders, excuse me. I think so. Um, I mean, normally the Raiders, I think even before last year, have matched up pretty well against Kansas City. I mean, obviously they got blown out earlier this year, but I think that was an anomaly compared to what their previous games have been, but I don't know how this offense is going to go, especially if Darren Waller's out again. Uh, I know he's questionable at the moment. He didn't practice today with that knee problem. So I think if he misses Kansas City, he's pretty much a lock here. Um, I think I've got to take the Chiefs. Even if he did play, it'd be closer, but I think Kansas City's still good enough to win this. I'm expecting at this point Mahomes to really bounce back out of this. I'm not sure if it's a slump at the moment, but he's not. he's still not himself. I don't think we've seen outside of that first Raiders game him play a full four quarters to an elite level. I think we see something similar now. I don't know if it'll be like what we saw in uh, week 10 or 11, but I think he'll play really well. The, the Chiefs offense gets going, uh, wins 31 to 17. Yeah, there's certainly frustration among a lot despite the, the winning streak they're on. Um, the question is, who should it be directed at? Is it Andy Reid who's off? Is it Mahomes who's off? Is it Enemy who's off? Or just a combination of all three? Um, 15 between 989 yards and a pick. He was audibly frustrated with Enemy on the sidelines. Mahomes, there were questions in the media about that. He said it was more frustrations with the game than each other. But um, we've talked about it a lot, Gordo, this fact that defences are waking up and they're finding better ways to prevent this high-flying Kansas City offence. Um, look, I'm getting close to riding off the Raiders. So of course they're probably going to come out and win this game, but no, I'm going to take the chiefs three to 10. Um, I mean, nine and a half point favorites. And that's just about right. I think they win on the 10 point mark um, 30 to 10 in this matchup at Arrowhead fourth game. Got a second pick. It is divisional. Um, not quite the excitement of the other two, two, five and seven teams. Now uh, Atlanta at Carolina Gordo. Um, I guess you could probably categorize these two teams as, Fairly close to each other. We know Carolina coming off the bye. Um, uh, they fired Joe Brady, so they've got the offensive play caller. Cam, I mean, he had that one good game against uh, the Cardinals and, and two bad ones in a row. What on earth do we expect from Carolina with new play calling uh, and coming off the bye against uh, their division rivals? Yeah, I mean, I think they're both, in, like you said, really similar situations. Teams that 
are somehow still in the playoff race, but I mean, in a normal year, they probably wouldn't be. Um, Atlanta has horrific points differential um, of, mm, yeah. what are they at? Negative uh, 116. Carolina's at negative 17. So I'm leaning towards Carolina here in this matchup. Uh, I think we saw a couple of weeks ago, again, the Giants fired Jason Garrett, came out the next week and won, even though it wasn't pretty on offense. It wasn't a great game. They still did it. I think we see something similar here with the new coordinator maybe rejuvenating the offense somehow. Uh, Atlanta, I just don't trust them to be able to keep Carolina to a low enough score. Uh, I think it'll be close, like most divisional matchups are. Um, but yeah, I think I've got to go with Carolina here in a close one. Uh, 28 to 24. I mean, minus 116 is worse than the Lions. Um, so that tells you something. Atlanta had some big blowout losses. Uh, would have been uh, a little bit bigger of a loss last week against the Bucks. They had a defensive touchdown at the end of the first half. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, when Carolina have been bad, they've been really bad. But the same can be said for Atlanta. Um, I think this is a, a coin flip. I'm going to take uh, Carolina. I, I like your point on Jason Garrett. I think I mentioned it when they did fire Garrett. Watch out, Philadelphia, because they were playing the Giants next week. There's a little bit of um, fight back, obviously, you normally get when a team changes offensive play call. I'm going to agree with you. I've got... 21 to 18, kind of an ugly affair in Charlotte. The Panthers getting the win, and Gordo and I remain uniform in picks. Another divisional matchup. There's certainly a lot in week 14. We have Jacksonville at Tennessee. Um, it's pretty simple, Gordo. You've got to win this as Tennessee. I mean, they lose that last divisional game to Houston. Um, they lose in New England. They've got a buy. They had coming off a buy. They've got to start racking wins together, eight and four, if they want to be in contention. They're still in contention for that number one seed. I mean, Probably don't think they'll get it because they've lost the tiebreaker with the Pats. But Jacksonville at Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Miami, and Houston to close. If they're a contender, Gordon, they should run the table there. Um, but you just don't have that same level of confidence in them that you did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I mean, I would have said a couple of weeks ago as well, they were almost going to be content with winning, just winning the division considering their injuries. But now the Colts are only one win back. So if you're Tennessee, you really got to start winning these games. It's Jacksonville. They absolutely should. Um, who knows what's going on in Jacksonville this year? There's questions this week going around about their running back situation and Trevor Lawrence apparently saying to the coaching staff that James Robinson needs to be on the field more and there seems to be a bit of conflict in that locker room. But So you've got to think it's an interrupted uh, preparation for them. So Tennessee should win this fairly easily. But again, we've seen them drop those games that they really shouldn't. Uh, the Houston one a couple of weeks ago, the Jets before that, they're beating some good teams, but they're losing to these bad teams and divisional rival. They might really want to get up considering it is a rivalry matchup. So I think Jacksonville keeps it close. Maybe they do use James Robinson a lot more, but I think Tennessee just gets away with a win here. Indeed. Uh, Tennessee adding Zach Cunningham, the linebacker from the um, Texans who's had, you know, a, relatively successful. I mean, Cree was leading, led the NFL in tackles last year. Um, didn't agree, obviously, with David Cully. Didn't quite mesh, uh, release on waivers on Wednesday. Thursday picked up by the division rival Titans. Um, and he'll be, I'm not sure if he's listed to play in this game, got it, but that's, you know, quite a big ad going into um, the last five weeks of the season. Your point on Jacksonville is good. I mean, I think I said about a month ago, there were reports that Meyer's going to change up some of the offensive coaches, in particular wide receivers and running backs next year. You wonder why I just didn't do it in the middle of the season because, as you mentioned, obviously it's just obviously it's going to lead to more distractions in the locker room. Um, 
you know, um, the decision's been made there. They're still, they haven't fired anyone yet, uh, and it really disrupts preparation. Um, I read your interesting article on Lawrence. Interesting to see what he does in this game. They've been very hot and cold. The Titans' defense. Mike Vrabel's been busy tweeting at the officials in his bye week, so he would want to come out and show that um, his team's rearing and ready to go. I like the Titans' thirty-one to thirteen, relatively easy to improve and go to nine and four on the season. Uh, we move to New York, Gordo. The Jets hosting the Saints. You took. Um, well, I mean, New Orleans, five-game losing streak, I believe it is now. Um, that's the longest of the Sean Payton era, five and two to five and seven. Um, a bit of a revolving gore at quarterback, Gordo. I'm hoping you can provide some clarity on who's predicted to start this week. Um, but if you want to go out against the defense, it's the Jets. They did play well for a half last week against Philadelphia, but they haven't really played the defense here. They've won games. They haven't really played a good game defensively, maybe the Texans game all year. Um, so, I mean, if New Orleans want a chance to get back on the winners this quarter, the Jets are probably one of the best teams they could have um, seen on the schedule. I mean, yeah, but you could look at it from the Jets' point of view as well. The Saints are one of the best teams they could have for a win as well. Um, they're on a five-game losing streak, injured everywhere. It's probably the Jets' best chance to win for, what, the rest of the year? Almost. I'm not exactly sure who's on the rest of their schedule, but... They've got Miami, the Jags, Tampa Bay and Buffalo, so maybe Jacksonville? Yeah, Jacksonville. But outside Jacksonville, this is probably it. Um, pick up a couple wins there. Who knows? But I think I'm going to go with New Orleans here. Um, I'm pretty sure Kamara is on track to play at this point. Um, I'm looking through their injury report and I can't see him, so I'm assuming he's going to be right to go. And I think with him back, that offense is going to function pretty well. Um regardless of who's a quarterback, if it is Taysom Hill or if it is Trevor Simeon. Uh, I think Hill was planning to uh, be active with that finger problem. Um, I don't know whether that's going to put him back to his normal um, do-it-all position and let Simeon start or whether they continue with him at quarterback. But I think either way, they're probably going to win this game. Um, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if New York did get up. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Kamara, full participant at Wednesday training. Same with Hill. One of the tackles, Teron Armstead may be back. Doesn't look like Ryan Ramchak will be back. Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned with Kamara, that just adds back something that they've been missing, that other dimension from this offense. Um, you like the Saints to finally get back on the winning list. I do also. I have got New Orleans 27 to the Jets. 25, perhaps a little bit closer than people might be expecting. And the Saints go to another team who, despite a 5-7 and seven record and a five-game slid, they're as much in the playoff race as the Falcons and the Panthers. Yeah, no, it feels like the whole NFC South is outside of the Buccaneers is sort of in that we're terrible, but we're still a chance. So we're just sort of stuck in the middle right now. Indeed. And we'll close off the early window in Houston. The Texans, well, there's not much to mention about them. Seattle on the road. Uh, Seattle finally got a win. It was a good win against San Francisco last week. The offense... um, uh, came alive well, m- mostly in that second half. I mean, they had that big um, uh, fake punt touchdown. Uh, I, there's not much you can say about a game against Houston apart from you better win and you better win by a lot. I mean, yeah, they absolutely should um, continue that form from last week. They should be able to get through it. Um, I'm pretty sure Houston's going to be starting Davis Mills at the moment. Uh, Tyrod, I don't think he's going to be healthy enough to start. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Um, looking through their injury report, he's. I can't. 
I can't see him on the injury report at all, but I know he was hurt last week, so I'm not sure who's going to be starting at this point, but I imagine it's Davis Mills. See a bit. I think at this point of the year, they've almost got to play him, see what they've got, or whether they need to go quarterback early in the draft. Um, so the Seattle defense should have a good day, even though they are going to be missing Jamal Adams with that shoulder issue. I think they're probably going to have their best performance of the year against the Houston offense that at this point is Brandon Cooks and no one else really outside of him. So, yeah, I think Seattle probably wins this fairly easily. Um, but then again, outside of that 49ers game, they've been pretty bad all year. So if we get the if we get the Seahawks that showed up against the 49ers, they win this easily. If we get the Seahawks from the rest of the year, I think it'll be a close game. I don't really mean to be rude to Jamal Adams, but him playing might be a plus for that defense. Hasn't exactly had his greatest year, and you think they gave up a first-round pick for him, which is looking to be a top 10 uh, for the Jets. Well, multiple, in fact. Um, not looking like a great trade there for John Schneider and co. The Seahawks defense, got you gave them a bit of credit uh, last week, and I was quick to dismiss them, and I, I have to agree. I mean, what are they, sixth in points allowed? Um, they're not doing very well in yards allowed, but points allowed, 20 points. Point eight per game, good enough for six in the league. A little bit of credit has to go to Ken Norton Jr. There, the Seattle defensive coordinator. Um, the only reason why I'm doubting Seattle's ability to win is that I'm locking them up. Um, I think I have five straight misses. <laughs> I think I'm six and seven now in the locks. I think it's four or five straight. Gordo still got that four game lead, but um, I haven't tipped against the Texans in the locks yet. So I've got two top two uses against them. I'm starting it here, Gordo. Surely. Russell Wilson, a bit of form. They can't lose to the Texans starting Davis Mills, can they? I mean, you wouldn't think so. But then again, with how crazy this season's been, you never know. Yep, I have got 41-6 to Seattle big winners down in Houston. We move to the late window. I think it's the marquee game of the round. It's certainly America's game of the week. Jim, uh, Nance, Tony Romo and Trevi Wolfson will be in Tampa Bay where the Bucks are undefeated so far this season. One of two teams undefeated at home. And they take on... The Buffalo Bills, who lose their mantle atop the AFC East in a frustrating Monday night loss to the Pats. Sean McDermott, someone who has a lot of respect in this league for what he's done, lost a bit of it on Monday night. Gordo, his behavior on the sidelines, and then in a bizarre series of events, um, essentially quoted saying that we shouldn't be giving Bill Belichick too much credit for this win. Um, I don't think anyone agrees with that. Um, whatever the case, they're 7-5. and five. They've still got a chance to win the division. But they better turn around quickly, and this is the toughest game left on this schedule. They do play uh, New England again. Um, but the Bucs, as I said, got to be unstoppable at home. They're cruising towards the playoffs. What kind of chance do you give Buffalo? I mean, it, again, it depends on what Buffalo team shows up. We've seen them at their best, and they look almost unstoppable. But then they play games like they did against the Patriots, and I know the weather has a lot to do with that one. But you look at their games against the Jags, and they just... They look so bad at times. And, I mean, I want to say that they bounce back here, um, especially because their passing offense is their real strength. The Bucks' weakness is that pass defense. So you'd have to think they're able to score a lot of points. But I don't know. Their defense has been questionable the last few weeks. Can they stop this Bucks offense, which is stacked everywhere at the moment? Um, I, I think I've got to go towards Tampa Bay here. They're, I think right now they're clearly a better team than Buffalo. But... Again, it's one of those teams that it depends if you get the good Buffalo or the bad Buffalo that turns up, and I don't think we'll know until the day what, what one they are. Well, they're one and four against teams with a winning record. 
that's got to be a worrying statistic. I mean, that one win was against Kansas City. You said it depends on what Buffalo shows up. I don't think we've seen good Buffalo since, what was that, week five? I mean, look at the other games. They lost to Tennessee. They did beat Miami barely in the last quarter. They lose to Jacksonville. They beat the Jets. Um, they lose to Indy. Oh, New Orleans, perhaps. You could say that was good Buffalo. And then they lose to New England last week. So, okay, so we've seen it two times in the past, what, two and a half months. Um, but they desperately need it now. I, I wouldn't put it past them. I, I actually think this will be a close game. Um, I agree with you. I've got the Bucks squeaking by the Bills, 33 to 32. But again, I think we're all hoping for a good matchup on national television. Let's move to the second game in the late window. And I think this has a, a good leg to be entertaining as well. Gordo, interested to hear what you think. Um, it's San Francisco at Cincinnati. So San Francisco, six and six. They lose a game. They really sh- uh, you know, shouldn't have to Seattle. Um, and then you have the Bengals who laid an egg at home against the uh, Chargers, seven and five, still in with more than a shout to make the playoffs. Um, nine is a favorite, which is interesting for me here. Talk about how good Jimmy G's been. Burrow, I guess you could say up and down that that offense. They did come back into it for that Joe Mixon fumble, cost them big time. Burrow uh, didn't practice to begin the week. Uh, he's got that right finger injury talked about, the pinky on the throwing hand. Did manage to play through it. You presume he'd start. Uh, Joe Milkson's been ill and T. Higgins an ankle injury. Those three pretty big parts of the offense. Uh, Debo Samuel, a big uh, question mark at the moment for the Niners. Of course, he missed that game in Seattle. Um, they, they seem uncertain on him. They do get Fred Warner back on the defensive side. Um, for me, this is one of the real 50-50s of the week, Gordo. I'm going to go, I guess it's not an upset. I thought it was an upset when I made the pick. I'm going to go with the Niners on the road. I've just got a little bit more faith, I guess, in in based on even just the last month. Uh, they've been pretty consistent. Um, yeah, so I think I'm going to have to take the 49ers, 30-27, to 27, a field goal uh, in overtime. Yeah, I, see, again, I'm like you on... I'm really not sure on this one. I think the Bengals, their best, again, is very good. We've seen them in the last month or so beat the Raiders really convincingly the Steelers by 31 points. But then also in that what last five weeks, they've been blown out by the Browns, lost to the Jets, and then had last week against the Chargers. So, again, they're an up-and-down team, and I think that's what we're going to expect from a young quarterback, a young head coach. But I think they bounce back this week. Uh, they're at home. I mean, they were last week as well, but I think they really bounced back. Last week would really hurt. Um, and they'll want to keep pace in that division. So, yeah, Cincinnati, I think, beats the 49ers. What, uh, again, a close one, potentially even going into overtime, but they win 27-24. to 24. Yeah, I mean, indeed, I think this I wouldn't be putting money on it. I think it can go either way. In fact, I think probably six games this weekend go either way. The first one was Thursday night. Uh, I think the Baltimore-Cleveland game, pretty 50-50, Carolina-Atlanta, Tampa Bay-Buffalo, this game, and then the Monday night game. There's not a lot of games where... Um, yeah, I'm absolutely certain one way than this one was real 50 50. Um, they are in opposite conferences, which makes it a little bit less crucial, but it's still, uh, from playoff seating perspective, it's still very crucial, obviously, for making the playoffs a win versus a loss at this stage. Um, interesting question now San Francisco, what a six and six Gordo, they're in that last playoff spot. Uh, Cincinnati is seven and five at the moment. Uh, you talk about that loss to the Chargers. Uh, and if I look at the standings for the AFC, what are they? The sixth seed. Who do you think has got the better chance of making the playoffs at the moment? The 49ers, I think. Um, I think out of all the wildcard teams, they're probably the best in the NFC, at least. Uh, probably outside the Rams. But you look at the rest of those teams, Washington, Philly, 
Minnesota might be there, Carolina, Atlanta. None of them, I think, are on the level of the 49ers. You look at the AFC, you got the Chargers, the Bills, and the Colts all fighting for that spot as, along with the Bengals. I think the Bengals at the moment are probably the weakest of those four on their good days. So I think the 49ers would be more of a chance right now. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting question. I have to agree with you on that one. Uh, we moved to the last two games in the late window. Certainly less interesting. The Giants, 4-8 and eight on the road against the Chargers. We mentioned they got that big win. They're also 7-5. and five. COVID issues have been the, the story of the week, really, um, for the Chargers. Gordo, of course, I think it was Keenan Allen first put on the uh, COVID... Uh, uh, the COVID... What's the name of the list? What, what name do they give it? The COVID IR list? They've got a special name for it. I can't think of it now. Um, COVID reserve list. COVID reserve, thank you. Um, Keenan Allen and then Mike Williams and Chris Harris Jr. on Wednesday. Um, close context, though. So if they do test negative, they'll be in line to play. Go to his mind, standing of it. Austin Eckler, uh, light injury. And it's not a Samuel Jr., one of the better players in the secondary there. They're coming up against a Giants team who didn't have Daniel Jones last week, that neck injury, limited again this week. And, and, and the signs are after Mike Glennon's performance and a concussion last week, Gordo, we could have Jake from the 2M starting uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, no, I, I think that's what they're training towards at the moment. Um, first year in New York, obviously, drafted by the Bills a couple of years ago in line for his first start. So it, interesting to see what he's got. I guess I don't have high hopes for him. Uh, he went in the fifth round of the draft for a reason. But, I mean, it's always fun to watch a young quarterback play. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he plays all right. Um, maybe the Giants, if he shows enough, the Giants have a trade piece or – who knows what their future is moving forward. But, yeah, he should be okay. I think this Chargers defense hasn't been great. I mean, last week, even in a win where they put up 38 points, they still let up 22 and almost had a, a, what? They almost lost the game halfway through the third quarter if that fumble didn't happen. So he has a chance against a pretty, I mean, I don't know, bad is the word, but against not great Chargers defense to play pretty well with, I think, pretty much a full offense around him. I I think Saquon was the only one on the injury report this year or this week. Uh, he should be playing, I'm pretty sure. So he's got a chance to succeed. I don't think he'll be able to do enough to win. Uh, I think the Chargers are just more talented, especially or as long as Mike Williams and even Chris Harris Jr. are playing, I think they win this fairly convincingly. But if Mike Williams doesn't play, then that's Herbert's two, two top targets gone. So I think I'm still trusting the Chargers, but it could be closer than people are expecting. And this Chargers defense had a good game at large due to penalty uh, to uh, turnovers last week. So interested to see how they go against the rookie QB. We've already seen a New York quarterback in Mike White have a bit of a, um, a one or two hit one this season. Perhaps we see Jake Fromm break out in his first game. That would be crushing for the Chargers, O'Gorda, who are just looking to get back in the playoff picture. They are in it, looking to stay there, I should say. They've got some, uh, we mentioned the KC next week. Uh, and then they have to play in the last week of the season. They are in Vegas. And the other game, they play, where are they? LA Chargers. They play Houston and then Denver. So, you know, manageable if they can get to 10 wins, 10 and 7, you think they'd be in. The Giants look nearly gone. I wrote a piece. I think Joe Judge uh, should be on the outside. I actually read some reports. I don't know if you saw this quarter that leaning towards him actually staying, um, that they bring in a new general manager and then working together. I don't think that's the move. Um, personally, I know I'm an Eagles fan, a bit biased, but. I think they have to start over again. What have we seen that's positive? You talk about Daniel Jones play that has regressed. He hasn't done anything good on special teams. 
I mean, I might keep Patrick Graham. He's done a great job with this defense for the most part, Gordo. But um, elsewhere, there's not much that Joe Judge has brought over. It's a case of, again, another Belichick assistant um, failing when he goes to build the program elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough one, I think, because if you do start over again, then you're going to be probably bringing in another quarterback. And they've built this offense around Daniel Jones the last couple of years. So it, it's such a tough one because you don't want that con- continuous change and moving on from coaches after every one or two years. But obviously, if you don't have the right one, then you've got to do it. But well, it's such a tough call because if they get the right guy, then everyone looks at it as, oh, yeah, great move. But then you could also be in a situation like Detroit. You move on from Jim Caldwell, which is probably the right decision there. But then you bring in someone like Matt Patricia, who ended up setting the franchise back a while. So you've, you've got to be confident that you've got the right candidate if you want to move on from a coach. Even if they're not great, you don't want to go to a worse uh, regime next year. So I think there's enough candidates out there that moving on would be the right decision, but you've got to be 100% certain. Indeed, we'll get off to some of those candidates later. And don't get me started on the Jim Caldwell situation. I can understand where Bobkin was coming off at the moment, but that's got to be one of the all-time bad decisions um, in history. You know, uh, you're in the NFC North quarter with the Packers, um, what three winning seasons in four years, 11 win season. They should have won a playoff game in Dallas. They make the playoffs twice. Um, talk about bringing stability to a franchise that hadn't had any and then tearing it all up to bring in your mate from New England who goes, what was it, six wins and three wins and, and th- four wins in his three seasons. Um, and now look at what's happening with Dan Campbell. Who knows what happens? Maybe Matthew Stafford wants to stay uh, a bit longer if Jim Corbell is still at the helm in Detroit. Anyway, so Gordon and I both have the Chargers winning that game. Finally, in the late window, talking of the Lions, they are in Denver coming off their first win. They'll have confidence. Denver, meanwhile, Gordo, they still can't get over the hump against the Chiefs. Haven't won since 2015 when they last won the Super Bowl against Kansas City. They need a bounce-back win here, Gordo. They are 6-6. Six and six. They're kind of, I guess you'd put them below maybe the Raiders and the Browns. I mean, I would personally. And you've got the, the Dolphins only a half game behind. So I think it's as simple as this, Gordo. If Vic Fangio's team wants to be featuring in the playoffs, they have to win this game. Yeah, and I mean, they absolutely should. Uh, I think I'm locking them up here. Uh, I know you locked up against Detroit last week and that didn't end well for you, but I don't see the Lions winning two games in a row. Um, Obviously, they've got that monkey off their back now. It's like, okay, yes, we got the win, but I don't see them doing it two weeks in a row. Uh, Denver, as much as we criticise them this year, they're still pretty, I don't know, good for that work, but they're a pretty average team. Detroit is nowhere near that, so... Yeah, I think Denver's good enough to win this. Um, I don't think it'll be particularly close. Detroit, I don't want to call it their Super Bowl last week, but that was their biggest game of the year. And I think from here, they're not going to be as worried about winning or losing. So, yeah, Denver, 32-14. Yeah, I agree with that point about they've got to win now. Bring on the first overall draft pick. Broncos, seven-and-a-half-point favourites in this one. Um I read an article during the week about Vic Fangio. Very interesting. I think, unlike with Judge, I think they keep Fangio on. I mean, I think we talked about it last week. Correct me if we didn't go to this defense for the Broncos, third in points per game uh, giving up and eighth in yards per game. Vic Fangio knows how to put a defense together. Um, You talked about if they had Aaron Rodgers, they'd be in the playoff position right now. I agree. And an offensive coordinator, who knows if Pat Shermer is the man, but I absolutely would not fire Vic Fangio. He's got you as a top maybe not top five, but certainly top 10 defense. They just don't grow on trees. Um, I would I would keep him there. Um, 
regardless if they miss the playoffs. Having said that, this is a game they can't afford to lose just for an embarrassment. And who knows? Say they lose this game and then win a few more and finish nine, eight, eight or nine. This one loss could be enough to make to alter their decision on that. Um, I'm taking, uh, like you, the line. I'm not locking them up, but I'm taking uh, the Denver Broncos, 23 to 16. Again, ugly, not that high scoring, but a win anyway for the Broncos. They go back above 500. And Sunday Night Football on NBC comes from Lambeau Field, where I'm sure Gordo will be hoping that it will be snowing as they take on the Chicago Bears for the second time this season. We know all about Aaron Rodgers, 22-5 and against the Bears. He owns them. Uh, some questions about whether or not he regretted that, uh, that um, phrase in the media this week, rightfully so, and I think he did. <laughs> he was absolutely um, in the right to say so. He said, no, I don't regret it. Uh, Justin Fields looking like he'll start order for the first time since that Pittsburgh game where they lost, I think it was about five weeks ago now, controversially on Monday night. Alan Robinson also expects to play. There's a piece there. But um, you've had the wood over the Bears for a long time now, Gordo, um, especially at Lambeau Field and especially with Aaron Rodgers uh, as quarterback. Yeah, I mean, definitely. But I think this is a pessimist in me, but this feels like the Bears... <laughs> Again, I used it for the Lions, their Super Bowl, almost. Um, it's their chance to beat the Packers, uh, mess with the playoff seedings. We know they're not going to make it in themselves, but it's their chance. Uh, I don't think they do. I, I think the Packers win this game. Um, there's been more positive news during the week with Jair Alexander starting to practice again. They're, I don't think he's going to play, but they're starting to get players back. Um, and the Bears, I mean, obviously, yes, Justin Fields is coming back in, but at Lambeau in December against the defense with Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith's playing really well. The secondary's playing pretty well as well. I don't think he's going to play well enough to let the Bears win this game. Uh, the Packers probably have to score, what, 20 points to win this. Um, with Rodgers, a quarterback, they should be able to do that pretty easily. So, yeah, I think the Packers win this 31-17 to 17 with a couple of garbage time scores. Yeah, I've got 34. Uh, yeah, exactly. I've got that 34 to 17. The Packers double the score of the Bears. Um, I think we can still see good signs from Fields, but it's a tough place to play. Joe Barry's been doing a good job with that defense. You've talked about getting the people back off the bye. Um, three big names possibly coming back there. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers, improved to 10 and 3 and keep it rolling on uh, for the Packers. Sorry, just to confirm that it was. Uh, who was it who was coming off injured reserve for the, coming off the bye? I mean, I, I heard that um, Bakhtiari possibly back um, and uh, Kevin King also, but is Smith and um, Zedary Smith and um, what's the cornerback name? Jerry Alexander? Jerry Alexander. Alexander uh, was activated from, uh, or he practiced the other day, meaning that opens up a 21-day window for him to be activated. So he could be back anytime in the next three weeks. Bakhtiari... I think he's already off injured reserve. He's just, mm -hmm. I think, uh, getting into game shape. Smith should be within a couple of weeks as well. Uh, he posted a photo on Instagram, what, a week or so ago, saying something about we're back or I'm back or something like that. So I'm assuming he's not too far away either. Indeed. So it's all looking good for the Packers. They approach their third straight postseason, hoping to make it past the NFC Championship round this season. Okay, we got a Monday Night Football, Gordo, one of the more anticipated. We know how built up the... Packers, uh, the, excuse me, the Bills and Patriots game was. What about the Rams and the Cards? I've tossed and turned on this one too, Gordo. Um, 10 and 2, we've got to give the Cards credit. We talked about it. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins came back. They connected for a touchdown. They beat the Bears in Chicago. The Rams finally get back on the winners list with a win against Jacksonville. 
As far as the division's concerned, eight and four, 10 and two, it's that simple, Gordo. I've said that a few times today. If the Rams want to win the division and host a playoff game, they will, well, I say host a playoff game. If they want to, um, yeah, exactly, want to host a playoff game at SoFi Stadium, apart from the Super Bowl, obviously, uh, they will need to win this game. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, this one probably determines the division winner. Uh, I know they've already matched up once. The Cardinals won pretty convincingly there. So you have to think they win this. They go three games ahead of the Rams. That'd be it. So for any chance of a, a division win, the Rams have to win this, but I don't think they will. Uh, the Cardinals, they're great on both sides of the ball. We saw last week this offense with Kyler, it's almost unstoppable. Uh, the Rams' defense, I know, is slightly better than the Bears' defense, but even then they gave up what was it, 37 earlier in the year yeah. to the Cardinals. So, yeah, I think Arizona wins this. I don't think it'll be easy. Uh, the Rams last week showed that they really got back into scoring form. I know, yes, it was against the Jags, but that's the sort of game a team often needs. If they're playing poorly, you get that bad team. You get to get on a roll after playing them, maybe move into playoffs with one or two more losses. And I think this is going to be one of them. Uh, the Rams lose this. The Cardinals win 31-28, to 28, maybe even in overtime. I'm not sure I can give you an answer on this. This might be one where I give you an answer here and I change it before the game. Um, I mean, 37 to 20, you mentioned that win. That was the first time the Cards had beaten the Rams since 2017. So uh, that is the, uh, in fact, it was the end of the 2016 season. Excuse me. That, so that's the first time in Sean McVay era that they had lost uh, this matchup two times a year, of course, in the division. Uh, and you mentioned that uh, the defense. I hear Raheem Morris's name thrown around for head coaching vacancies, and I'm thinking I wouldn't be giving him a job. I mean, we talk about the cliff, uh, falling off a cliff that this Rams defense has had between Brandon Staley last year as the coordinator and Raheem Morris this year. It's, uh, I think it was last week, it was from first in points and yards to 15th and 21st. I'm not sure the exact figures. It would have gone up since they, they kept the Jags to seven. But um, this is a game, Raheem Morris. Step up, keep this high-flying cards offense. I believe they are top three in scoring because Dallas are first, I believe. Let's check it out. Points per... Oh, Buck. So they, they've dropped a bit. They're still in the top five in points per game uh, and in yards per game. Uh, they're a bit lower. But yeah, as we mentioned, 10-win team. God, if they can keep them to low and win this game... Um, then I think we have to put a bit more faith and perhaps even open the door for the Rams um, for a Super Bowl run. Yeah, no, definitely. This is the sort of game that they've really got to stand up and prove, even if they don't win it. Uh, if they keep it close, I think they're going to prove, yes, they're back. But as we've seen the three weeks before the Jags game, it was bad from them. And they've really got to regain some respect, I think. Now, it's a good chance to, again, like I said, even if they lose, if they keep it close with what is maybe the best team in football, it's a chance to get back in the good books. I, I think they will. Uh, they'll do pretty well. They won't win, but they'll keep it close. Yeah, I've got 36-33 at the moment. The Cards winning by a field goal, but that is open to change. Chase Edmonds, possible to return for the Cards. That's a big plus. Um, teams on by, Colts 6-6, six and six, the Dolphins 6-7, six and seven, the Eagles 6-7, and seven, and the Patriots 9-4. and four. We mentioned the Patriots and the Colts um, will take on each other. Uh, next week, Gordo. So those are four, all four teams who could be featuring in the playoffs uh, with the late buy in the season. We mentioned that's um, can be very useful there. Locks of the week. I will be locking up the Seahawks over the Texans. Gordo has the, uh, has the Broncos over the Lions. Okay. Let's move on to our little discussion here. Uh, it's on assistant coaches. Um, there's always openings in the NFL. I think it's seven. They average per season. We say I say this every year, but I think it could be less this year. I mean, looking at it, Gordo, Vegas, that's a certain opening. 
Um, obviously, John Gruden resigning. Versace is the interim. He may get an interview. We don't know what happens with the GM position. Um, Chicago, I think we think that's probably 99% an opening with um, with Matt Nagy. And then you've got Minnesota. I don't know what we think about that one. Gordo with Vizima. I think the general consensus now is it's probably more likely to go than stay. Denver, another one. I mean, I've said personally that I think he should stay, but I'm not sure that Vic Fangio will depend on uh, Vance Joseph. Only got two years before he was let go prior to the Fangio era. Um, Cincinnati, I think we would agree that um, he's safe there. Um, Zach Taylor. I mean, Miami, are there any other names that I'm missing? I mean, we've got the first year ones of Cully and um, and uh, Meyer, but I, I don't think those are openings. Gordon, any others I've missed that you think would be possible openings? I mean, you mentioned Maya not probably being. I'm not so sure. I know we've said uh, throughout the year he's probably going to be safe, but this last week or so, it sounds like Trevor Lawrence is starting to question the coaching staff, and you don't want to annoy your rookie quarterback. Yeah, um, but that's not the head I, coach. I know. He I can... think he'll be there next year, but it's just it doesn't feel like a good situation at the moment. And Maya could lose his job because of that, or he brings in a whole new group of assistants, which is probably more likely. But and I think there's more of a chance now than there was a couple of weeks ago. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. And there has been a lot of criticism from coach, people in the coaching fraternity um, and people in the uh, GMs and everyone in the league. A lot of people he doesn't obviously do it. Of course, he didn't fly, fly back with his teams. He had the controversy in Ohio. Uh, he's a, hiring the strength and conditioning coach. And now this with his assistant coach on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not sure what that contract was. It was pretty big though but then again i guess shane khan can afford to pay him out 12 million a year is that what he's getting jesus 10 to 12 a year anyway um fine i'll put that in there watch this space and we're here to talk about some assistant coaches um gordo uh i think we'll start with offensive coach i know you've got a few and, and i'm going to kick it off with eric the enemy uh it's raised every year he's been the offensive coordinator since 2018 when matt Nagy departed so that's uh, Mahomes MVP year. Second year they made the Super Bowl and won it. The third year they made the Super Bowl. Mahomes has been, I mean, you could argue he's not a top 10 quarterback this year, but he has been in every other year. Um, I mean, a lot of people think he should have been hired two years ago. I think it was last season he had some interviews and he was told he wasn't a good interview, um, but then teams went out and hired some other coaches who've been more than questionable without naming names. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a question he deserves a job, Gordo. The question is, will Eric Bieniemy finally uh, get a coaching gig, his own head coaching gig, uh, this offseason? I mean, I think we say, like you said, we've said this every year for the past almost four or five now, it seems. Uh, he probably deserves one, yeah. Uh, the I think the biggest question is, does he run the scheme in Kansas City or does Andy Reid? Um, it's so much of it is Reid's offense, but I think someone might finally decide to hire him. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who that'd be. Um, I don't think it'd be the Bears. I think they'd be wary about going through the Andy Reid tree again, but yeah, uh, maybe someone like Vegas. Uh, Derek Carr, I don't want to say he's a similar quarterback to Mahomes, but they've both got big arms. They're gunslingers, pretty much. So I think if anyone did it, it'd be Vegas. Um, I don't know if there's anything behind that, um, any logic, but I think he... Vegas is the most logical ones to hire him. Yeah, and I think Vegas is the most appealing opening. I mean, they've got one official opening at the moment, but um, whether or not that defense, that they have wasted um, Derek Carr's prime, I think that's fair to say. Um, they, I mean, the front office decisions, I know they've had a couple of different GMs, but it seems every week you turn on the television and you see some ex-Raiders player 
um, playing well. I mean, Amari Cooper is an obvious one in Khalil Mack, but they've done their best to trade away uh, a lot of good talent. They've had off season issues, but as you mentioned, if they can get someone in who can maximize Carr's talent, get him playing consistently, and even with an average defense, I like Gus Bradley, I'd keep him there. Uh, surely they can be a playoff contender. Um, so, yes, Eric Bienemy was kind of the first one that came to mind for me, Gordo, but you've got a few other um, offensive coordinators in your sights. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the one that stuck out to me, or at least before these last few weeks, is Brian Dayball. Uh, we've heard for what, a couple of years now, particularly after last year, with how good that Bills offense worked, uh, he was going to be a chance. This year, it's sort of taken a step back and the play calling is questionable, but I mean, I think he's probably still a good shout uh, to get a job somewhere. Um, I'm not sure, again, where exactly that would be, but it feels like a team that's desperate might end up hiring him. Yeah, I think to be fair, it's hard to judge, especially when we don't know the openings. I think fair enough to just say he's a candidate. And what, what you normally see is if they're a good candidate, someone like Ben Mead, they'll just get interviewed by every team with a head coaching vacancy. Whether or not they're even considering hiring him, it looks good. It looks like good business to interview the, the, the good um, candidates, regardless of, as you say, whether or not they interview well or not. Dable's been Buffalo. I mean, he's turned around that... Um, in the first season, I think it was 2017, they actually had a different of uh, Rick, I can't think of his surname now, he's a, been a coach in a few teams under under Gary Kubiak, was the offensive coordinator. He was let go and, and Dable comes in for 2018. That was the first year with um, Allen, you know, it took him a while. And then 2019, obviously, they have playoffs in 2020. They're the, the two seed and they make the championship game. Uh, and they're going to make the playoffs again this year, you'd think. So what he has done with that offense, because Sean McDermott, again, defensive guy, Leslie Frazier, who we're going to get onto later, um, I absolutely think Brian Dable um, yes, yeah, will be will be certainly interviewed. Uh, the other two offensive coordinators, and I know you have similarly, I'll leave the Green Bay gentleman to you, Gordo, but uh, Brian Leftwich, Tampa Bay, ex-player, another one that's come up under, um, under Bruce Arians. Uh, and it's a similar situation, Gordo. A top-scoring offense, a lot, of course, goes to Tom Brady, but you'd expect Brian Leftwich to get some interviews, whether or not it's with Vegas, Chicago, or any other opening. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, we've seen the last couple of years this Bucks offense has worked really well. Uh, my only hesitation there, I think, would be it seemed like that offense wasn't going great last year until Brady seemed to take over and implement a bit of his offense from what was in New England. Um, so I'm not sure how much of that was on left, which and how much was on Brady. But even if an offensive coordinator doesn't do all the work, a lot of the time you'll see teams get desperate to hire them anyway. They'll see if they were part of that system and go, yep, okay, that's someone that we want. Um, I think he'd make it pretty good head coach um i'm not entirely sure you know coaches a lot better than i do but i think he seems like a pretty good one uh he's done his apprenticeships he was um quarterbacks coach at arizona he was an offensive coordinator there and then he's been the offensive coordinator here so and he's got the good um highlights and awards as a player as well so i think he'd make a good head coach but i think just that question as to whether the offense in Tampa Bay is his or Brady's is a big question mark around him. Yeah, indeed. But, um, you know, we've seen assistance and I'm sure Bruce Arians, uh, you know, would have every um, complimentary thing to say about him if he was considered head coach and job. And you're absolutely right. Has learned for a long time under Arians and a former player that carries some weight too. Uh, and the final one, Gordon, Nathaniel Hackett, um, from memory, he was the offensive coordinator for that great year with Blake Bortles down in Jacksonville. I believe was fired the following year. Uh, ends up under Mike, uh, Mike, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay and certainly deserves a lot of credit for what's happened and Aaron Rodgers seems to like him. Yeah, no, he was brought in by LaFleur to really help with that offense. Uh, LaFleur obviously calls the plays, but 
Hackett helped out design it and whatever. Um, and yeah, it seems like he, as well as Adam Stenovic, the offensive line coach up there, seemed to be getting a lot of buzz. I know I saw a couple of things the other day about Stenovic really being. Someone said there was a lot of talk in league circles that Stenovic was um, getting a lot of hype for a head coaching position. And you look at the work that he's done with that offensive line over the last year or two. Uh, I can see exactly why he'd be a candidate. I don't know if he'd go to head coach straight away, but he'd definitely be someone teams are looking at. Along with Hackett, maybe they both go somewhere together. If Hackett gets hired, he brings Stenovic along with him. But yeah, I think you look at what he's done. He had that great year in Jacksonville. Uh, they had the best running attack in the league from memory that year and somehow got the Jags to a championship game. So, and then he's obviously got the Packers job now. So he's got that success to his name. Hackett seems to, he was with Buffalo, he was with Jacksonville, now he's with Green Bay. So he's done his apprenticeships around the league. It feels like he's at that perfect sort of time in his career to become a coach. And he's 41. The offensive line point is interesting. Trying to think of the last last offensive line coach I can think of that went straight to head coach. I think Doug Marone was an offensive line coach. He is now, but probably Mike Tice, which is going way back to I think 2002 with the Vikings. Might be before your time, um, Gordo. But um, I mean, Bill Callahan was interim with the, well, not the Redskins anymore, the football team uh, in 2019 after Jay Gruden was fired. But um, we have seen position coaches go. Andy Reid was a position coach famously before he went to head coach. So it has happened. But Nathaniel Hackett, 41. Um, you know, prime age, you think, for go uh, for a young team that wants to replicate the success, uh, again, Vegas, an option, that uh, he has had with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Um, I had a few, I don't, I don't want to take too much more time, so I had a few uh, names, I guess, to run you by. I have two, I've got this credit, this um, uh, this category is just needs more time, Gordon. I've got Kellen Moore, Dallas, and offensive coordinator, and Joe Barry, defensive coordinator. Both have done amazing job, particularly more over two years, Barry, just this year with this defense. But I think they probably need another year of consolidating um, with their units before they look for head coaching jobs. Yeah, no more. I mean, he's, what, three or four years from being retired? Um, yeah. I know he's been doing well in Dallas this year, but these last few weeks there have been those questions about uh, the play calling, running ball, passing ball, whatever. He's... Uh, well, he retired at the end of 2017. He was quarterback coach in Dallas in 2018 and then offensive coordinator from 2019 till now. So my worry there would be he hasn't been outside of Dallas since what, 2015 as the player. So he hasn't got that experience from like other teams, other coaching staffs, whatever. So, yeah, I just think he'll probably be a coach one day. I just don't know if next year is the right time to do it. He probably needs that extra time to develop. Um, Joe Barry's an interesting point. I think... Uh, he's been around the league a long time, obviously, so he's got the experience behind him, but I don't know, it just doesn't seem like he's the sort that would go for a head coaching position. Um, I think he'd more just stick to the defensive side of the ball. We've seen he's been, what, defensive or linebacker's coach since Tampa Bay in 2001, and then defensive coach in 2000 with San Francisco, so he's got a lot of experience in a lot of different teams, but I think he'd stay around in Green Bay for a while. I mean, that's probably a selfish uh, me wanting it to happen, but I think he'd stay in Green Bay for quite a while. Indeed, but, you know, anything can happen there. Uh, got some second chance candidates, so some people who were head coaches. Uh, start with Leslie Fraser. I don't know if you read this, Gordo, but I was reading on ESPN the other day that uh, he's been linked quite strongly to the job with the Chicago Bears. Um, and again, I don't know why they're making this link. Um, so, uh Frazier came from Andy Reid again. Um, 
with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was with the Colts when they won a Super Bowl. Uh, and then he went over to be with the Vikings under Brad Childress, also from Andy Reid's tree, took over as interim for Children's in 2010. They made the playoffs in 2012 and lost to the Packers at Lambeau in a, in a wild card game and then was fired after the 2013 season. Bounced around a few teams and he's been with the Bills since Sean McDermott took over. And we know how good this defense has been this year uh, and the last couple of years, really, uh, Gordo. They've transformed, especially this year. And I don't know if it's a deliberate transformation from more of a high-flying team on offense. They, they invested on the defense in the draft and so on, and it's been a better defensive side. He's getting a lot of credit. He interviewed, and he was one of the final two for the Houston's head coaching job. It went to Cully, and I think just quietly, Frazier's probably happy. He didn't want to be stuck in Houston. He'd rather perhaps go and pick up um, that role with the Bears. So uh, even if he doesn't get I mean, if he does get it, um, I mean, it's pretty obvious to say, Gordon, but he needs to bring in a good offensive mind, whether or not it is... Um, a quarterbacks coach or someone he's found within uh, the Bills organization or the someone else he knows along the way, or he's compiling a staff. He'll he's, he'll be good on the defensive side. He'll have them top five, but it's a question of the offense. We know the talent on the defense is there, but it's got to Justin Fields is a key part for uh, Chicago. I keep talking about Chicago because that was what the report was linking him to, um, but just a name to watch there. Um, someone who was a finalist last year for a job and maybe looking for one there in Chicago this year. Um, I'll run through the other ones. I've got Todd Bowles, daughter, of course, head coach with the Jets for four years now, second year as a defensive coordinator with Tampa Bay. They won the Super Bowl last year, but we've mentioned at length the struggles they've had on defense this year. So you might think maybe not considering uh, how much uh, worse on last year's performance they've been this year. Um, Vance Joseph, Arizona defensive coordinator. I mean, out of the blue, no one expected this unit to be as dominant as it has been. Was the Denver head coach I mentioned him earlier for a couple of years, but I think maybe we need to see a little bit more consistency. Um, they, you know, this is their first year really being a real dominant unit, so maybe a bit more waiting there for Joseph. Uh, and Josh McDaniels, always a name brought up, Gordo, um, went to coach with the Broncos for a couple of years, 29, uh, 2009 and 10, went to the Rams for a year, and he's been back with. Uh, the Patriots ever since as they've won their most recent three Super Bowls. Of course, we all remember he left the Colts at the altar. He agreed to coach them. He reneged on that agreement in 2018. He's staying there, Gordo. My question would be, and I do want your opinion on this one for the Patriots, will it not be a little bit kind of non-satisfying now he's done all this work with Mac Jones? You know, they've got a new quarterback. He's done this great work with him. He's tutored him. He's mentored him. They're in a winning position. They go into the playoffs. I feel like he'd want to see that through at least for a couple of more years and have a chance at a Super Bowl. I'm not saying they won't win one this year, but um, I think he'd want to, as I say, reap the rewards of what he's done with Mac Jones before leaping ship um, to a new franchise. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's always some talk as well uh, with him of him potentially taking over from Belichick in a couple of years, although that's I don't think Bill's going anywhere though. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, maybe in four or five years, if Belichick's ready to retire, then, McDaniels takes over, but yeah, I think he stays in New England for a, a couple more years at least to see Mac Jones through at least his rookie contract. And just on Leslie Frazier, he'd really be linked to the Bears. Uh, he was a part of that 85 Bears defense. Uh, he actually ah, led them six picks that year, so he was he won the Super Bowl with that team, so I'm guessing that's why he's linked to the Bears. Ah, yes, sorry, I should have known that. Ron Rivera and Jeff Fisher, there's actually a few coaches in the coaching fraternity who were part of that. Um, of course, playing and coaching under um, under Buddy Ryan, famously, who went to coach with the Eagles and the Cardinals. But um, it might be before your time, but he did, yeah, as a coach a couple of years with the Nye, uh, Vikings. But again, there might be that worry because he does come from the Andy Reid tree. Then again, he's a defensive man, as you've said, has strong ties 
But I'm sure you'd agree with me. He, it's absolutely crucial. He'd need to bring in a good offensive mind because the Bears have had enough of seeing, you know, Matt Nagy, um, you know, wasting the talent on the offensive side of the ball, especially now they've got, excuse me, Justin Fields. Yeah, no, definitely. You've got to bring in an experienced offensive coordinator. You don't want to do something like what we've seen with the Jets this year, hire a defensive head coach in Sala, but then bring in an inexperienced uh, offensive guy in Michael Fleur. Uh, you want to get that guy that's got almost a decade or more of experience in football, um, as someone that really knows how to call an offense to uh, bring fields along. And the last name I have before we say goodbye, uh, inevitable, Doug Peterson. Uh, there's always a couple of these names who are fired as head coaches um, and, and the, you know, their names disappear. I mean, you look at last year, who was fired as a head coach? Dan Quinn. He went on to be a defensive coordinator. Um, uh, someone like Adam Gase, no longer in the league. Um, but what you do see is Doug Peterson didn't go anywhere. I mean, he bunched, bumped around to a few uh, training camps, just kind of watching as guests. But um, you'd have to think you'll get another job. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach. Many thought he shouldn't have been fired and he'd be doing better than uh, Sirianni is this year with the roster. I'm not going to comment on that. But um, I, I don't think it's a matter of will he, but it's when he when will he come back into the fraternity, Gordo? Do you think it might be next year or he might be waiting uh, for, for a few more years? I don't know. I, I thought he was sort of hard done by uh, last year. I thought he was still a decent coach. Um, I think he's going to be close, whether it is this year or maybe next year when there's a few more openings. But, yeah, I think it will definitely be so. Indeed. And, again, Chicago, probably a team who'd want to steer away. He might go as the OC. Who knows? But um, <laughs> I had to say, but another Andy Reid. They're all – he's you know, shows how good of a coach Andy Reid is, all these good assistants coming off him. But um, – very similar to Matt Nagy. So perhaps they want to try something new with the offensive side. Someone like Brian Schottenheimer, who came from the Seahawks now at the Jags, feels like he'll be fired. So there's uh, names are plenty there, but um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So yes, that's our take on assisting coaches um, who, are, who are in the mix, I guess. Um, Gordo, cheers for being here. I will see you on Tuesday for our week 14 recap show. Yep, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Indeed, as always, links to the blog in the description, links to uh, Twitter in the description and thanks Kevin for the music, social, fun, drama. Link to that in the description and we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye for now.